Good morning. Welcome to Bethany. Um, I'm not Tom. I gave him the week off. Um, you know, he, I, I realized this at the beginning of the last message, but he always gives me the fun weeks. Um, I, I think he like looks at the schedule like, oh, we're going to talk about divorce on that week. I'll give that one to Matt. Or nobody's going to be here this week. It's spring break week. I'll give that one to Matt. Um, no, he loves me. He didn't do it intentionally. Um, I know. I'm a whiner. That's what staff do, right? We whine. Um, no, but I'm glad to see all your faces here. Um, Mike, thanks for filling up the whole left side with your family. We appreciate that. Um, that's good. So it's good because, you know, these are all these are the people, A, that um, didn't know it was spring break or, like me, too broke to go anywhere. And so we all have something in common. Um, but we should be in prayer for, the, prayer for those who are traveling, and uh, we'll be really excited to get them back next week so oh yeah and i'm just curious is anybody in here who thought that they were coming to the nine o'clock service and here for okay that'd have been funny if you did you're probably not raising your hand it's okay there's a few okay well um if you are joining us for the first time or the first time in a while um you're in part two of our Acts series. We're going to be in um, Acts chapter one today. So if you want to open there, we'll be there in a minute. But uh, just so you know, um, it's kind of comical saying parts to this because we have no idea what part it's going to end on. We're doing the whole entire book of Acts verse by verse currently. Um, and we're just going to go through the whole stinking thing. We might be in Acts in two years. We have no idea. So like you could come back in a year and we'd be like, Acts uh, part 49. Um, so that's what it is. But the title of this series is To Be Continued. And that's what Tom spoke about last week. Um, so you know where we are. I'm going to read the scripture that uh, Tom preached on last week so we kind of know where we are in this. Um, chapter 1, verse 1 in Acts, it says this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay, so that's what we that's what Tom spoke on last week. And just a kind of a summary of what we did last week. It's by no means the full version. You can go online and listen to that if you want. But uh, we talked about how the book of Acts scripturally is done. It's, it, it's been written. It's what um, we're not going to add anything else to it. But it's not done in the sense of you and I. That's why we entitled this whole series to be continued. This book is not over. If you notice the terminology in there, there's words like began, not finished, began. The book of Acts was just the was part of the beginning for us as believers in Jesus. And so we're a continuation off of this. And that's what we're going to be teaching you about through this whole entire thing is is how we can become more like those that follow Jesus back when it first all started, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about it. Um, today, we're in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. Um, it's, another great thing about this is if you do want to study on your own time, I bet you next week we're preaching on verses 6 and 7. Um, so uh, th- th- that'd be a good place to start. But uh, let me read you. Um, it's going to be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. If you do need a Bible, one of our ushers can bring you one. Just raise your hand. They'll bring you a Bible. Um, if not, it'll be up here on the screens behind me. Verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for, wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, before we dive into like the meat of this scripture, I, I, I don't want to make a, 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 a bad error by skipping the first part. The, the part where it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. We, we, we tend, at least me, I, I don't know about you, but when I, when, when I study scripture like this, a lot of times I'll go right to the meat or the red letter chunk, which I don't think is always bad because when Jesus says it, it's great, but the whole Bible is God-breathed. So we need to pay attention to every part of this verse. In the first part of this verse, I really like this because he says, on one occasion while he was eating with them. This is greatly important. Um, when Jesus um, resurrected Jesus, okay, the, he, he had been crucified, died, buried, rose, walking around. Can we all agree that that's a little strange? Um, he, he, he's doing that, and, and he shows up to them, and, and he eats with them. Now, if you notice, it, it's really interesting. I started studying this when I was preparing this message, is that there's a thread throughout the Gospels of when Jesus comes back to life, he likes to eat. Um, you can study any other time if you want. I'm going to put all the scriptures on the website on, on, with all, everything so you can read more up on it your own. But it, it's great that there's, there's one verse when he shows up and he just appears in front of all of them and he's like, hey, what's going on? They all freak out because they thought he was dead. And he says, do you have anything to eat? There's another time when he appears to, to, the, uh, to the disciples and they're coming in from fishing and they see him. And what is he doing? He's cooking breakfast. He's on the road with the two guys. And what does, where do they go? They go to dinner. You know, I I think it's kind of funny, but it's also really neat in the aspect of the relational characteristics of our God. I mean, really think about this. Think about there any other world religion that you can think of where God comes down and literally eats with his people. What are you going to do, God? I'm going to cook my boys breakfast. That's what he does. I mean, think about that. Wrap your head around that for just a minute, that that's what God desires. And and, and if if there's anything we know about God through Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is that God is the same today as he was then. And he still desires that communion. He still desires to come and be with us. Right? Right? And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, just the thought of it. I mean, it almost gives me cold chills just thinking of Jesus just showing up and cooking me breakfast. I mean, I don't know what those eggs were like, but they might, I don't even like eggs that much, but I would eat them. Um, so that's not the, the whole point of our message today, but I really want I didn't want to skip over that. I think that's greatly important, the, the relational characteristics of our God. Also, in John chapter 14, verse 12, um, <laughs> There's, do we have that one? Did I give you that one, Ryan? No? Yes, I did. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. This is Jesus speaking. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, now the, the reason I brought this in here is because Jesus isn't staying in the physical form with the disciples, right? He's not staying with them, but he's going to the Father, which their response is always very similar to probably what ours would be. And that's one of the reasons I love the Bible so much is because I can really relate with it at times because they kind of freak out. They're like, why are you leaving us? They don't understand it. They don't get it. But he tells them what? He says, I'm, I'm going to be going to my Father, and you'll do greater things than these. In our scripture today, 
It says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days he'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. These are linked. How are we going to do great things? How are we going to do anything that is godly? How are these things linked? And I'm just, I'm really excited to talk about this with you guys today. But before we go there, I have to confront something. And I don't want us to take this in a, in a bad way because um, I am a Baptist. I, I, okay, like I work in a Baptist church. I'm a pastor in a Baptist church. I don't have a problem with Baptists. Okay, my, one of my favorite writers of all time is Charles Spurgeon, and he was a Baptist. He was a Calvinist, but he was a Baptist, which is strange, but I like him a lot. Um, and we really freak out in Baptist churches when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, before we really just dive into it, I think we just need to be aware of this. Um, we kind of, a lot of times, treat it like the ugly stepchild of the Trinity. We don't really deal with the Holy Spirit that often. It's kind of like the ignored one. And that's not okay. I mean, we, we, we do things like, we, 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 uh, we, like especially about a lot of times we don't understand like the charismatic movement. I'm, like, I'm not asking us today by the end to be waving flags and looking like a fish just pulled out of water. That's not what I'm asking. If the Spirit leads you there, then go for it by all means. But I'm saying, let's be honest with what the Holy Spirit is, what it can do, where it wants to draw us, and where it wants to bring us in relationship with Jesus. Let's just be honest with that. Because it is a hard thing to grasp, isn't it? I mean, the Holy Spirit is not easy. In Acts, in a couple of weeks when we study, you're going to see it. How is the Holy Spirit described? Water? Wind? Fire? Sounds like a band. Um, Right? That's how the Holy Spirit's described, but yet we, we're told that it's a person in the Trinity. Right? Or in uh, uh, John 3 8. Let's read that. What does that have to say about the Holy Spirit? The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Don't we like to be in control? Don't we like to know? What God's plans are for my life. Or how I'm going to make it through this. Or how I'm, you know, don't we want to know those things? So I think, at least for me, and and I'm assuming in here that some of you are in the same boat as me, that I have a fear of the Holy Spirit because it's so unpredictable. And you know what? God's not much different. Because it's the Trinity. It's all the same. I mean, what, 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 I mean, understanding the Trinity is tough enough on its own. It's a very difficult thing. And, and this is one of the ways I've heard it explained to me that makes the most sense. And maybe it'll make sense to you is this, is that um, the Trinity is very similar. Like, God really displays himself in marriage a lot of times. It, it, you know, you've heard this concept where it's like, you know, we are two separate people, man and woman, and we have two totally different roles, Right? Two totally different roles, but yet we become one. That's how the Trinity works. Three separate roles. God. We're not going to, I mean, yeah, it's big. Okay? You're going to have to trust me on some of this today. But that's where we're going. But I think to have a proper understanding of the Holy Spirit, I think we have to have a proper understanding of Jesus. 
It's a package deal. You don't get one without the other. And uh, because, I mean, let's, let's just be honest. We, we come in here every week, right? We, um, and most of if you're anything like me, I remember before I worked here at Bethany, I, I worked in the college ministry over at Western. And uh, I was this guy. Let me describe it to you. I came in here every week. This church, this was my church all the way through college. And, and, and I came in here, and I would be that guy that would go, I hate this sin. And for me, most of the time, as a young man, it was lust. It's just what it was. And literally every week I repented of that. And I'm like, I'm dealing with this. I want to get rid of it. I'm done with it. And then by Tuesday, I'm wondering where I am again. Has anybody else ever been there? Where it's just like, you, you, but, but here's the thing. I, I, I think I can sympathize and understand because I believe you that you hate that. Right? Especially to the guys in here. Lust, I mean, things like pornography. So it, it's like you, you do it and you just don't understand what just happened. Right? You hate it. Or, or whatever it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's like you can't stop spending. And you get done and it's just like it's not right. And you get back in this place and it's this vicious cycle, isn't it? Where we're just stuck. And we hate it. We don't want it. But it's there. I'm led to believe from my own personal experience this comes from really a couple of areas. Not the proper view of Jesus, which then will give us the proper view of the Holy Spirit and its empowerment in our life. Now, let's get this Jesus thing nailed down because, right, like when we come in here, we we, we want to be more like him, right? We want to, don't you want to be able to forgive like Jesus, love like Jesus, give like Jesus, understand like Jesus, listen like Jesus? Don't you want all those things? I mean, I do. I mean, that's if, if you're here and you don't want any of those, I don't really know why you're here. It's probably going to be nice out today. Like, I, I, I mean, maybe you're struggling with it and that's fine. But, but if you're a believer in Jesus sitting in here, you should want to be like him. Jesus has many things, and one of the things he is is our example. He's our mediator. He's a lot of things. One of the things he is is he is our example. So we have to have a right view of Jesus. And what does that look like? It looks like this. Jesus is. Now, now, now hear this. If you, if you don't take anything else away, understand, get today a right view of Jesus. If, if I don't cover it enough, talk to me about it. Talk to Tom about it. Talk to our elders about it. We want you to have a right view of Jesus in this church. Everything we do is dependent on that. Jesus is. Well, well, Jesus was 100% man on his earthly ministry. And he was 100% God and is 100% God. Do you see that? It, it, it's not separate. What we tend in a, a lot of times in our churches, and, and, and I've been guilty of this, is, is to teach one side heavier than the other. Right? What, what is the man side of Jesus? We teach the Jesus where it's like um, the servant Jesus, the Jesus washing feet, the Jesus helping the poor, the, the, um, the, the Jesus walking around, you know, being with his people. But then a lot of times we'll ignore the side of Jesus where if you were to see him today, he'd be sitting on his throne as king of kings and lord of lords. Right? Or 
we're heavy on that he's 100% God and that he's like that song from a distance that I, I, I can't stand that song. Because he's not at a distance. He's right here. We, we, we make him as this thing that didn't serve, that didn't sacrifice himself. We have to have a right understanding that he's 100% God, 100% man. The reason this is so important, because if you have a view of Jesus as that when he went to the cross and he did not suffer for the weight of all man's sins on the cross, if he was some sort of earthly superman, that it didn't hurt as bad, then everything we believe is toast. It's not accurate. Do you see why that's so important? That when Jesus was on the cross, that he was taking, it's it's called substitutionary atonement. He was substituted for our sins all the way, past, present, future, on him, full weight, right there. That's why he can say it is finished, right? We have to have a right understanding of Jesus. I have no idea where I am in my notes right now. (laughs) Great verse if you want one to understand. Jesus is 100% man, 100% God. Um, I'm going to have it up on the screen. Write it down. It's a great one. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. I bet a lot of us in here have it memorized. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, okay? He is God. Let's understand that. Being in the very nature God. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself Nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Do you see that? that It was a choice for him. His death on the cross, his life here on earth was an option. That's why we call it a gift. Being made in human likeness. Let's go to the next one. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was man. He took it all. And he died on the cross for it. He felt that pain. He felt the whips. He felt the beating. He felt the weight of your sin. Therefore, this is where we know he is God. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and, and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In that scripture, we get God as 100% man, 100% God. We need to understand that. So, where do we go from here? What does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus do it? If he was 100% man when he was here on earth, that means the temptation that you can't say no to, he did. That sin that we come back every week, going, I don't want it anymore. He never committed it. He loved. He had righteous anger. That's not one of those ones I wish I had because I usually find my anger is not very righteous. Um, he had, he 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 did it. But how? If he was a hundred percent man when he was walking around here on earth, 
And we, we just said he's not like the Superman. He didn't like have some special like powers of like, no, sin, stop. Like, he took it. I mean, what we're going to read here in a second, that the Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted by the devil. How did he do it? Luke chapter 3, if you turn there, verses 21 through 22. It's Jesus' baptism. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. The Spirit descended down on Jesus. Let me say that again. Because, you know, I think sometimes us reading Scripture so much, we don't let it really settle on our hearts. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. What happened next? We got out of the water. But... Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Full of the Holy Spirit was led by the Spirit into the desert. Jesus went out into the desert. What, what was waiting for him in the desert? Forty days of testing, of trials, temptation, of offering to have everything his eyes could see, of, of Satan just laying it out before him. That's where the Spirit led him. How did he do it? How did Jesus live this life? He wasn't Superman. He did it by empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit went with him. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I know I'm repeating myself. I want you to get it. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that we just talked about that we're nervous about at times is what gave Jesus the ability to conquer sin and death. To never give in. To look Satan in the eye. Grab that. Read more of this verse. Keep reading on your own time sometime. But be able to look Satan in the eye. Say, not going to happen here. We think we get tempted. And we do. He was fully tempted. One of the things that I, 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 wanted, I wanted to let you know here, and you probably don't hear this that often in church, um, <laughs> but uh, we need to get it out of our head that we can be a Christian. I'll explain. And some of us are like, what? No, I thought I was saved. I'm, I'm going to heaven. I, I understand that, and, and I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm questioning is what you think you can do. 
This call is far too great. Do we, do, do we understand that? That um, our righteousness will never be sufficient by what we can do. I'm not trying to be really depressing or anything here or in a way that's like saying how much, like I, I'm not trying to be like, you really stink, but I'm trying to tell you that you really stink. Okay? It, it, it's just what it is, and it's not just you, it's me too. Let's, let's turn here. I, you have to understand that when you prepare a message on the Holy Spirit, you can have notes, but you don't know where it's going to go. It's just one of those things that last service I was a wreck. I didn't know where I was. I hope they got something out of it, and I hope you are too. But I feel like that we need to have an understanding of who we are before God. To understand how much we need this Holy Spirit and how much we really need to be begging for God to give us some more of it. Um, Isaiah 64. Sixty-four, six. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteousness acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Um, looking around, no small children. We're clear. Um, English language filthy rags is very inaccurate. It's the real translation is bloody menstrual rags. That's what our righteousness is. I didn't say it. God did. (laughs) Happy Sunday. Um, (laughs) I mean, do we grasp this? Do we begin to maybe? Because I mean, I don't think we totally do because our best Is bloody menstrual rags? Are you kidding me? That's what I have to offer God on my best day? Paul Paul talks more about it. What does Paul say? He says, I've done everything. I've, I've obeyed all the laws. Nobody has obeyed the laws greater than me. I know them. You guys stink compared to me. But you know what? You know what it's all worth? He says it's worthless. But that's a bad translation too. The, the, The Greek word is scubulon. Expletive of poop. So we wake up in the morning. We think we got it together. We show up to God and we say, he's like, what, what do you got for me? And you're like, I got some bloody tampons. I got some poop. I'm not saying it to be controversial. I'm saying it so that the Bible is this way so that we understand what we have. There's a reason the Bible uses words like blood so much because it repulses us, right? It it should make a response because God wants us to know that's how much he dislikes sin. It should bother us. It, It shouldn't make us comfortable, right? So what we're offering up to God is not that great. We need help. Don't you? I knew. I really do. I'm really tired right now. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. I'm joking. I really do know what I'm talking about. I studied really hard for this. But 
Trust me, I am not sufficient to be in front of you giving you this message. My Saturdays, I am a wreck. By Saturday night when I go to bed, I just don't sleep. Read the book of James sometime if you ever want to teach. None of us are worthy. It is a free gift. We have a right view of Jesus that he is 100% man and 100% God. And that we don't have enough in our tank to do it. When we, when we, then we start crying out for what? Jesus. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is illumination. It's like one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit. He, he like illuminates your focus towards Jesus. He's what draws your heart to Jesus. He is what brings you before the throne of God. He is what gives you power to say to that sin, no more. And we're afraid of it. At least I am. We're afraid. I heard one time, we were in, it was in a church function. And this just proves that we are afraid of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the person was speaking, they said, man, I sure am glad that they didn't say they got healed, that they are trusting God. What would we do with all these people that think that they could just get healed? We can't be afraid of that. That is the power that we have. Do you understand that this faith, I mean, this is one of the best analogies I've ever seen. Without the Holy Spirit, here's what we are. We're vacuum cleaner salesmen. We show up on your door, we knock on your door, we throw some dirt on the floor, and we say, our God can pick this up. And they go, show me. They say, nope, sorry, I can't. The Holy Spirit can empower us to heal, to change lives, to speak words that aren't ours. We can clean up that mess, not by anything we can do, but by what the Holy Spirit can empower us to do. And that's what our community needs. I mean, let's be honest. Look around. I, don't, I mean, some of you aren't from here. I bet in your community isn't a whole lot better off than ours. I was speaking at the high school last week. I do an abstinence class there. It's phenomenal that they let us come in and do that. And I had a girl at the end of the class, she spoke and said, I don't have a question, but I, I have a comment. And she goes, I'm 18 years old and I'm pregnant. I was in the hospital the other day, um, visiting my friend who had, a, who had a baby, and, and the nurse there was telling me that she just had a girl in there the other day who was 13 years old and just delivered her second baby. There's people coming to our church every day who don't have an answer for what's happened to them. Do you see that we are not strong enough? Who in here has the answers for these people? None of us. But because of Jesus and what he did on the cross and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and God the Father loving us so much that he would give his son, right? We can. We should and we will. Okay. This next part, I'm trying to compose myself. Last time, well, last message, I just lost it here. And so, and I'm not really a crier. And so, okay, I am when I preach. I don't know where it comes from. I'm like, I watched the UFC fight last night, so I'm trying to get that back in my head. Like, you know, like, um, 
Anybody else watch it? It was awesome. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. This will be our last scripture. If then, this is Jesus speaking, though you are evil, <laughs> that preaches really well, doesn't it? Um, I mean, a lot of times we think of Jesus and his earthly ministry as like the happy-go-lucky chai tea drinking Jesus, you know, like, the, uh, like give you a back massage guy, you know. No, he, he was very loving. He did all these great things, but he also, he preached, man. He brought it. If then... Though you are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I'm guessing we got some parents in here. And if you aren't a parent, I'm betting you had parents. I, if you didn't, we should talk. That's strange. Um, but, oh, modern technology. Um, The other day, I was, I was in the hospital, like I said, and I went to go visit my friend. He's a youth pastor down in Lake City. Um, he has a job that I would never want. He's a youth pastor for five churches of all different denominations. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> they're all his boss. Would not want that job. But um, I've gotten to know him, and he's a really great guy, and uh, we're doing some youth stuff with him. And i gotten to know him, and, and uh, his wife was pregnant, and they just had their baby. And uh, I got to come in and see them. And, and um, I've been around a few babies that young but not many in my life. And it was amazing, right? And, and, and he looks up at me, and what's he say? He goes, I would do anything for this kid. Anything. In the world. Anything. Let's read this first again, see if it means a little bit more. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? More than anything? How much more? What does that look like? Church, the Holy Spirit wants to empower those on mission for him. We really need to start asking for it more. Because if there's anything that I've gotten out of preparing this is that I'm never going to be able to do it alone. I need the Holy Spirit. I, I need you. I need the church. I need the church universal. I need saints to rise up and be willing to be empowered to say no to sin. Because I don't think Jesus came and played a game. Right? He didn't come here and play a game with us. Tom said it a few weeks ago. It is not a playground out there. It's a battlefield. And we will get taken out every single time. Unless we have a right view of Jesus and an understanding of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you guys a dare. 
Here's what we're going to do. Josh is going to come up and he's going to play. Let me give you guys a dare. I'm going to dare you to do something that is... if, If you've never done it, I can guarantee you it might be the most dangerous thing you will ever do. I'm going to dare you to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and empower you. I'm going to dare you to say today that sin that I come in here every single week with that has just been eating me up for years that I realize that I'm never going to beat it. But I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to come in and do a work on me right now. I dare you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power and the boldness to go into your community, your workplace, your home, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus boldly. Proclaiming and preaching that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is far too great for us to do it on our own. I pray that we'll be humble. And, and men, I'm speaking to you specifically for a minute. I'm not ignoring you ladies. But for us, this is, I think, might be harder. Because the Holy Spirit asks us to do things that are uncomfortable. Or that maybe society says, I, I can't do that. It's calling us to a state of brokenness. Because where we are weak, He is strong. And as men, we've been taught that we can't be weak. I'm not telling you to be wimps. I'm telling you to allow Jesus to give you strength. To be a man of God. To change your home and your community. It hinges on you, men. It really does. Like I said, I'm not ignoring you, ladies. We love you. And we couldn't do anything without you, that's for sure. But men, I'm challenging you to be broken. If we can do that, it doesn't matter that we're light today. We went from 12 to what, 1.6 billion? We got some work to do. Let's not do it alone anymore. I'm going to take a minute. Josh is going to play. I'm going to just sit for a minute and just be silent for a minute and Let's just pray.